It's Monday, January 28th. Welcome to Market Foolery. I'm Chris Hill. Joining me in studio today, we're starting the week off right with Emily Flippin. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. We're going to start in China, and then we're going to work our way back to the United States. Because we've been, it seems like almost every other episode this month, China has entered the conversation in terms of the economic slowdown. And today, we get to add NVIDIA to the growing list of companies in the United States warning shareholders about China. NVIDIA reports earnings on Valentine's Day, but came out this morning and said they expect quarterly revenue to come in around $2.2 billion. That is down from $2.7 billion. That is a drop. That is not just a step down. That is a drop. And shares of NVIDIA, when we walked in the studio, down 12%. Yeah, I almost feel like for NVIDIA, China is a scapegoat. In this sense, well, really, yes, without oh. a doubt. So there definitely is going to be a pullback in gaming revenue from China because China's regulations and current economic state. I mean, of course, we're going to see negative effects. But think about how much they reduced that guidance. I mean, that's not an insignificant amount. And if you look into that report more, not only is it China where they tried to emphasize the most, but also their data centers. Their data centers aren't growing as much. And that's a concern because my colleague Aaron, he pointed out that data centers, they should be the backbone of the company. I mean, that revenue shouldn't be as variable as your as your gaming chips. So I almost feel like while they're trying to put the emphasis on China to make investors feel like, oh, maybe this will change in the near future when we see a turnaround in economic growth in China, this is just a temporary headwind, maybe there's something bigger underneath the covers here. It's interesting because, uh, and the reason I reacted that way is because it, you and I were talking this morning about uh, what do companies blame when they miss on their earnings report? And we'll get into this a little bit more later in the show. But you know the the go-to joke is always about companies blaming the weather, and sometimes that's perfectly valid, and sometimes it's not. But I feel like we've seen enough evidence out of China and enough companies talking about China to feel like the economic slowdown is real. Now, to your point, if there's more going on in the case of Nvidia, then yeah, that absolutely could be a situation where they are taking a number of bad. Things or a number of challenges that they're facing and lumping them all in China. Um, but China's on the list for them. Without a doubt. And I don't want to downplay the importance of the economic slowdown in China. It is going to negatively affect a lot of companies. And I'm a huge investor in Chinese stocks. So unfortunately, I'm all too familiar with, with what an economic slowdown for China means. Uh, and Nvidia also doesn't just have exposure to a general economic slowdown, they have exposure to regulatory hurdles that they're going to face in terms of just the demand for games in China in a regulatory environment that isn't very supportive of gaming right now, especially for the younger generation. So, I mean, there are a lot of headwinds for NVIDIA. I, I just think whenever I see reports coming out like this, when there is such a drastic change, and you know, they really try to emphasize one point that is a very, very salient point, but then they downplay what could be the larger issue boiling underneath the surface. Um, so, without a doubt, definitely has something to do with China, but I also wouldn't you know, be as lenient as to say that's the only thing affecting NVIDIA right now. Well, and now we can add this to the list of conference calls that are going to be interesting to listen to and sort of what kind of questions management faces particularly about uh, the data centers, because obviously there will be a lot of focus on China as well. Uh, Sticking in China, um, Caterpillar's fourth quarter profits came in lower than expected due to lower sales in the Asia-Pacific region because of lower demand in China. 
the phrase bellwether stock gets thrown around here and there, and I sort of feel like bellwether stocks are uh, are not applicable across the board when it comes to investing. I feel like they are situational. And in the case of the category of global trade, I feel like Caterpillar is absolutely a bellwether stock. And this is this has got to be a little concerning. Yeah, that's true. And I tend to be a little bit more lenient on Caterpillar than I do NVIDIA for exactly that reason. When you do have a stock that is so correlated to global growth, like a bellwether stock is, I think it takes a lot of economic slowdown to kind of see the results that we're seeing with Caterpillar. And I'll just classify this again by saying yes, there's an economic slowdown in China, but the revenues are still up 11% than they were last year. So it's not like we're looking at, you know, a global economic. Slowdown that's going to you know cast the end for all of these these kind of manufacturing companies. Uh, so Caterpillar, while it is a proxy in a sense, it still gets more than half of its revenue from U.S.-based operations. So it's important to look at at China and see the economic slowdown there and see the impact it's going to have. But also caveat that a little bit with you know the natural tendencies and and changes that we see both domestically and globally. Yeah, I'm glad you pointed that out because once I started to dig into the numbers. A little, a little bit with Caterpillar. I started thinking. I went in thinking, God, how 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 big was this miss? How bad was the profit? It's like no, they act. Yeah. Revenue was up year over year. Profits were up year over year. Um, this is one of those stocks that appears to be pretty cheap on a valuation basis right now. But I I can't say I'm itching to go out and pick up some shares. Even though shares of Caterpillar are 10% cheaper today than they were last week, I'm not itching to. Throw some money at this. Yeah, as a growth investor, um, I can't say that I spend a lot of my time thinking about the perfect price point to get in on a lower growth company. Um, and I agree that they are cheap now in comparison to how they've been in the past. But we're also arguably at the later end of an economic cycle, and maybe that's just what we expect when we look at companies like this. Um, I will say that I think the the demand or the drop that we're seeing in the market today is just largely dependent on China, 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 right? There's a lot of noise around China right now, and we see that lower demand in the Asia Pacific region, and it really freaks some people out. It does. And the old cliche that the market hates a vacuum is absolutely true. And and this is one of those situations where part of what we're seeing with the drop in the market is the fact that there's not a lot of news. On Wall Street today, and what news there is, we've just talked about it. These are Nvidia and Caterpillar; these are the two <laughs> dominant stock stories of the day. Neither of them is good, and so maybe we're seeing sort of a, an an overweighting placed on them in terms of the market drop. Um, but later in the week, we've got Microsoft, Apple, Facebook, along with a host of other companies reporting. Not Facebook, excuse me, Amazon uh, reporting. So, um, so hopefully, we'll see. Better news tomorrow. Yeah, and this is the front end of going into you know peak earnings season right now. The earnings that we've seen up to this point have largely been great. I mean, beating analyst expectation, a majority of them. So these being the first two of the week, I definitely think that you know there's a little bit of, of investor psychology that's playing against them as well. So this is the first episode uh, in over a month that we've been able to say the federal government is working. Uh, <laughs> the, the, the government shutdown ended. Uh, effectively Friday afternoon, and I'm curious. Going back to what we were talking about before, in terms of how do companies explain away misses in a quarterly earnings report, and what do they choose to blame? And there are absolutely valid excuses when it comes to uh, blaming the weather 
depending on what what a particular business is. We've also seen examples in the past where companies try to blame the weather, and and you sort of pause for a second and say, "Well, wait a minute. I know really does that does that apply in your situation?" I think we're going to see a lot of companies coming out saying some version of the following sentence. Uh, yeah, January was a little weak for us because of the government shutdown. I'm not saying that companies are necessarily wrong to say that. I'm I'm just wondering how much of a pass should we give companies because depending on the business, this could be a very real material effect on quarterly earnings reports. For real, um, and I don't like excuses, but there is a fundamental difference between excuses and reasons. And I think the reason why the federal government shutdown is going to be such a popular excuse as we move into earnings season is because the effects we can't as easily see as an effect in weather, for instance. And we talked a little bit earlier, if a hurricane hits Florida and a company's operating exclusively out of California and they try to blame the weather, a natural reader would read through that and think, mm, something's up here. But with the federal shutdown, I mean, how do you actually Gauge the impact that's going to have on a lot of these, you know, large companies like Apple was reporting later this week, and so I think it could be a very valid excuse uh, that's hidden as a reason for companies as they come forward and report earnings because an investor can't necessarily tell. Hey, is this for real? Are they actually affected by this, or is it just noise? Right, and certainly we've seen uh, plenty of stories here in the Washington D.C. area about the very real negative effects of the shutdown, or the effect that it had on people's lives, the ripple effects for, among other things, restaurants in the Greater Washington D.C. area, um, certainly transportation as well. Um, so, yeah, I like that excuses versus reasons. Because let, let's face it, there there are certainly times, particularly when it comes to retail, where a company Company X reports and comes out and says, well, one of the things you need to keep in mind is the calendar for this quarter is a little bit different than last year. It's like, you know what? That A lot of times, that's a perfectly valid reason, and it explains a very small miss. Um, it starts to move over into excuse territory, where retailers are trying to explain away a really big miss mm-hmm. on, oh, well, we had one fewer weekend this quarter than a year ago. And I'll say that, you know, looking at this week's of earnings, we have, I think, Apple and Tesla are just two examples of companies that are reporting earnings. If Apple comes out and says, hey, we had slightly missed sales because of a general government you know, turned or government shutdown, which led to an economic turndown. You know, maybe the average American was a little bit more scared about America's future, didn't spend as much money. I mean Okay, I'm buying that. But if Tesla tries to come out and say, "Hey, we didn't sell as many cars because of the government shutdown," that's when I start. You know, maybe I draw that line there. So I think everything you just need to come in and view it with a critical eye and take everything with a grain of salt. The thing I'm the most curious to see if anyone asks on the Apple conference call is about the battery replacement program mm-hmm. they had last year, because the reports that I saw was that internally, Apple expected. A million replacements. They had sort of budgeted for. We think a million people are going to come in and want battery replacements, and it ended up being eleven million. Somebody got fired for that. <laughs> so that's that's my. I mean, for a company that historically has done such a great job of manning, managing expectations, how in the world did they come up with that number? How did they come up? How did they miss that badly? 
It's like uh, it's actually eleven times worse than we think it's going to be. Well, you have to wonder if the employees at Apple actually own Apple phones. If they actually thought only a million people would want a new battery. I mean, I can tell you, I'm a casual Apple user, and my battery barely lasts the day. And so I am shocked. I am shocked that internally that they could only think a million people would want their batteries replaced. Um, so I, I'm definitely under the mindset of. Somebody flubbed a number, and 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 somebody lost their job. <laughs> well, I mean, it was a smart move to say, "Look, we're going to offer this program. We're going to make it very affordable for people." Uh, but again, to to run the numbers and say we think that the hit is only going to be the, to the tune of one million batteries, as opposed to I don't know, eleven million, <laughs> just terrible. Uh, real quick before we wrap up uh, on last Thursday's show. Uh, we wrapped up the show. You know, we we tried. Bill Barker and I we try to save the tangents for the end. We talked about the most recent limited edition Oreo cookie, uh, the most stuff Oreo. And uh, Dan uh, Boyd, uh, our man behind the glass, and I had the chance to try them this morning because our our colleague Robin, who sits uh, close to our desk, Robin very nicely brought in a box that she had uh, purchased over the weekend. We both tried them. Dan, what'd you think? It's too much stuff. So, okay. So, last week we talked about Oreos and you went on a little bit of a rant talking about how you were upset with all of the exciting and innovative things that Mondelez likes to do with their cookies. And I defended said innovation probably too stringently. Now, I want to qualify my, my crow eating, my humble pie here, because while I do think the most stuff Oreos have too much stuff. I am glad that they tried it. I'm glad that they went after it and tried to bust out of that paradigm to think outside the box. I'm happy about it. Now, am I going to buy these cookies? No, I'm not. I had one. It'll probably be the last one I have. But I'm, I'm glad that Mondelez is out there trying new things. I'm not anti-innovation. I'm pro-innovation. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it, Chris. <laughs> I think I'm anti-innovation in this one particular area. Um, Emily Flippant, thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. As always, people on the program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. That's going to do it for this edition of Market for Worry. The show is mixed by Dan Boyd. I'm Chris Hill. Thanks for listening. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>